Welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Insiders Podcast. It's time to learn from Ryan and Lucas how to become a short-term rental property host and start a successful vacation rental business. Get ready to learn and be the best host you can be. And now your hosts, Ryan and Lucas. Hey again, it's Ryan. And it's Lucas. And we're back with another episode of Vacation Rental Insiders. Today, we are talking about the um, challenges, not the benefits, not the pros and cons, but the challenges of short-term rental and the challenges of long-term rental. So we're going to highlight some of the negativity here, okay? We're not trying to rain on your parade. If you just opened an STR or you just bought a long-term rental, I'm not trying to depress you or anything, but we got to be honest with you. Well, we got the uh, the episode before this was uh, the advantages of STR versus LTR, and uh, now we're going to get into some of the challenges that STR and LTR pose and kind of let you uh, form your own right. list and uh, do the best decision that's best for you. So as, we, as we've been saying from the very beginning to now, and if you go back to our first episode, we promised you we would give you unfiltered information, okay? We're not the guys that are out here proclaiming that you can build a six-figure income without owning property and all those braggart type ads you see on Facebook and Instagram, uh, people selling training courses that give you all these promises and really all they're doing is they're selling a training course to benefit themselves. We are giving you the real deal information and as you've noticed right now, um, you're listening to this for free. So we've cut the crap and we're giving you the uh, honest truth here, okay? So here we go with more of that unfiltered honest truth. Um, the uh, first item we're going to talk about is maintenance and upgrades as it relates to short-term rental, right? So um, you will have more maintenance and upgrades in terms of um, making the property better from the outset. Okay, so if, if I'm going to long-term rent a property, there are things that I don't care about that I do care about if I'm going short-term. Absolutely. Okay, I need the home to be just a little bit better than it would be for a rental property long-term, okay? So if we remodel uh, a kitchen for a rental property and we know it's gonna be a short-term rental property or a long-term rental property, I'm probably gonna put in, you know, an inexpensive countertop. I'm probably gonna put in, maybe I won't bother with a backsplash and maybe I'll just get some, you know, relatively cheap cabinetry, whatever. Um, because the people that come and see it, they're stuck with it for a year. Once I got them on a lease, they're not going to sit and complain to me about it. Yeah, absolutely. But in the in the short-term world, when I do that same renovation, I'm going to probably get some low-end solid surface countertops instead so that they're really easy to clean. They give a little bit of a wow factor so that the person coming in will feel like they're at a nicer place. I'll put a nice backsplash on so it's again easier to clean. Um, and I'll probably put in something, you know, that's a little higher end with the cabinetry, get some soft closed closures on there, things of that nature. I'm just using a kitchen as an example, by the yeah, way, guys. Yeah, and there's it could be put, a bathroom, it, it could be you could put in nice TVs, you could put right. in nice furniture. Uh, but the thing that's gonna come with uh, you know, short term rentals as uh, a little bit of a challenge there is it's just more maintenance. Um, and you're probably gonna have a few more upgrades that you're gonna have to do over the course of 
you know, your time as a short-term rental host or a short-term rental manager, you're going to have right. to keep that property up with today's, you know, don't let it fall into not necessarily decay, but kind of an older setting and, and just keep it up to date with the time so that when people come, they feel like they're staying in something that's new repeatedly. Yeah. And we talked in our last episode about how you have the opportunity to make repairs more often with a short-term rental. That is actually one of the challenges of short-term rental. Yes. You will be doing repairs on a regular basis. Because you can't have something broken when the next guest shows up. Yep. Okay? That's not doable. You're not allowed to just go, oh, well, that blind broke in half. I'll leave it. The next guest will be like, stayed at this place. Four stars. Blinds were broken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have these French doors to the master bedrooms and, and one of the condos that I manage in. And one of the, the left door is always a fake door, right? It still locks, but the, the door handle doesn't turn. It's a dummy handle. It's a dummy handle, yeah. and that dummy handle also causes people to be dumb, and they try to turn it, <laughs> and it breaks off repeatedly. So I am constantly putting that door handle back in, um, and just about every unit that I have, it gets broken in. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of leads us into the second challenge right there. Um, you're not going to have guaranteed income. You can. You're almost... I don't want to say you're guaranteed income. People will book your property if it's nice, and they will book your property if you're in a good location. Um, you know, you're going to get almost guaranteed bookings. You know, but if you're starting a property in some rural area that doesn't have much access or anything like that, there might not be much guaranteed income. You know, I'm thinking of a property uh, that I got asked to manage up in the Panhandle in a town called Live Oak, Florida. Nice. Um, they asked me to sell it for them, and I was like, I'm in, I'm all the way in Orlando, man. That's three and a half hours from me. I'll just refer somebody out to sell it. Um, that's kind of like, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing out there. There's nothing in that town. There's nothing that would really draw anybody to that town. I guess that's would be me asking somebody to come to my hometown there in Iowa, 3,000 people. There's really nothing you would come there for. Um, so in that aspect, you you know, you might be better doing long-term rental than, than short-term rental, um, but definitely look at all your options, see if there's any other properties in your area uh, and how they're doing. Um, and this, by that. the way, is one of the biggest questions I get from people in my network of folks here in Minneapolis. Like, I've got a lot of real estate agents I do work for, and they've asked me, like, what's the income? What's the income? It's like, I can't answer that question for you. It's not going to be guaranteed to be one number or another. You're going to have a yearly income you're going to be shooting for, not a monthly. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what you got to go for. So that is a drawback of STR. You cannot tell how much you're going to make every month. Yeah. Period. And if there's no guarantee that, you know, if you do or if you are making income, then you're likely to have some other competition in the area. If you're making money, then other people are also going to want to make money and they're going to have, you know, their other short-term rentals next to you. I know in, in Florida right there on the ocean, I got 16 high-end properties, but... There's over 1,800 listings uh, between Airbnb and VRBO on both of them. I mean, we wow. got a lot of competition. So in a, just like the Disney area, ton of competition over there. Um, so you got to make sure your property stands out. You got to make sure that you're, you are keeping it up to date. You're keeping it at the top of the list. People want to book with you. You're keeping nice reviews. But uh, that's definitely a drawback is competition. Uh, long-term rentals are typically a little bit more uh, sought after. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're easier to, you know, Grab a long-term tenant, provided you're in the right price band. Um, and in short-term rental, you're just you're going to have competition if you're in an area that's making money. Right, right, absolutely. So the other thing that springs up is there's a lot of things to manage in an STR. There's a lot of moving parts. When we mention our microeconomy, we bring to the to the uh, community. There is a, a lot of people. I gotta I gotta watch after. Um, now, I have a great team. I don't work with people that need a lot of babysitting, and I don't babysit the people. Um, I'm going to be very honest with you folks. Some of the properties, I will go stretches of 30, 60, 
90 days where I'm not anywhere near the houses. I don't need to be. If nothing has been broken, nothing needs to get my hands on it. Nobody's calling me to do anything other than maybe drop off some supplies. Um, and some of my cleaners have gotten in the habit now of just invoicing me and going and getting their own supplies. Um, but when it comes to, you know, replacement linens and we are physically out of toilet paper and paper towels, that kind of stuff. Yes, I will make a run and go buy those things. And that's my, you know, every 60 days I'm guaranteed to show up and deliver those things. And you co-host with like some of your cleaners and stuff so they can see I make the my cleaners co-host, yes. Yeah, see, so I don't. So I, I do have the obligation of making a schedule for my cleaners and my check-in agents. So it's a little bit more hands-on, but I, there's so many moving parts when something gets broke or when a guest has a problem. Um, Honestly, they seem to want to reach out to my check-in agents, despite my check-in agent saying, hey, reach out to Lucas. I'm just here to do your tour. They always go back to the check-in agent because that's who they that's who they spoke to, that's right. who they met. Um, and then I get the message and then and then I have to deal with it or, or send it over to a handyman. So, But I am in the process now of being big enough to hire a project manager um, mm-hmm. who will oversee a, a large portion of the units and, and uh, she will actually start receiving those calls and those texts so that I can continue growing and I continue expanding and, and adding more moving parts to it. So in that growth phase though, just be prepared. You're going to get a lot of phone calls and you're going to have to deal with a lot of stuff. So there are, there are a lot of moving parts. We're not going to sugarcoat it here and make it seem like, you know, it's, it's all autopilot. It's only on autopilot passive income if you have the right system in place. Yep. And when you are small and I'm talking less than two units, two listings, you're not going to be able to afford to have that staff on call. It's not going to happen. I'm at the point where it's pretty much autopilot. Um, when I get a note that something needs to be handled, I then delegate it out to the proper person and I move on. Um, so you're not going to do that right out the gate. You're going to be the person to take all this. So that is a that is a challenge of short-term rental. Yeah. So, I mean, you know? that kind of... Uh, so let's transition into long-term. Yeah. Challenges of long-term rental. Um, so the first thing we'll bring up is there is less earning potential. First item on short-term was potential for greater uh, income. That's what we said on the last episode about this. Well, on long-term, there's a potential for less income. Slow money, right? It is slow money, you know. It's guaranteed, uh, but it's slow. It's guaranteed and it's slow. And so for those, again, you know, those landlords who still want that long-term tenant and they want that slow money and they are comfortable with the consistent income, maybe try rental arbitrage. You're going to get that consistent income and you give somebody else, we go back into that micro economy, you give somebody else to uh, a chance to make make that make that additional money that helps out your community. But there is less income potential for a long-term rental by far. I mean, some of my, some of my rentals, um, uh, you know, like my room shares, uh, like monetary wise, you know, long-term I might get 700 bucks a month for the room. Uh, but on Airbnb, I'm bringing in close to a thousand dollars a month. So or more. Right, and if you do that on a, this, you know, the scale of a whole house, mm-hmm. uh, you definitely have a, a much larger income potential there. Yeah. Now um, the the flip side of that, when it says um, less income potential, as uh, when we when we say less income potential on a long term, you also need to think about what if you have a person move out because it's the end of their lease, and you can't find a suitable tenant for a period of time. Now you've got thirty, sixty. I mean, God forbid, 90 days of vacancy? Holy cow. How much less money did you make? Correct. Right? Yeah. Um, now, if you had been short-term rental, you may have slow months because it's not necessarily the season for your town to have visitors. And so maybe you're only 50% occupied for a period of three months. But some money is more than no money. 
okay? I've had to have this conversation for the last several decades of my life when I'm dealing with owners that insist on a certain rental amount. They're like, no, I absolutely need this much per month. And I say, but if you do this much per month, we'll have a tenant in here much sooner. And it, we're, we're, we're usually debating about 100 bucks. I get into that with the minimum night uh, mm-hmm. exactly. pricing on, yeah. on the vacation rentals. I'm for... like, well, you know, I got one of them right now and they, they want a certain price. And I'm like, well, the competition for that price range in Daytona, although my stuff is high end, that, that price range in our off season gets you like a whole beach house, not, mm-hmm. not an ocean front <laughs> condo. So, you know, and, and some of them are just unrealistic about what they expect. And I'm just like, fine, you set a minimum price point on me. It's going to be less money in my pocket, but I'm not responsible than if your unit gets booked and that gets, you know, that gets said to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, that kind of leads pretty much into, you know, your owner flexibility there. Um, How much flexibility do you have as a short-term rental versus long-term rental? You know, you can't use that property uh, for anything as a long-term rental owner. You can't use that property for anything other than your tenant. It's stuck. stuck. You are stuck with that person. It's not your house for your friends. It's not your house for you. If it's a vacation rental in a different city than you live in, um, if it's if it's in that kind of period or, or area of the world, you're not going to be able to use it. Yeah, if you're in, uh, let's say you're in Daytona Beach and you're in a condo that has a 90-day minimum rental period, and that's what we call a condo that doesn't want rentals. They don't want the vacation rentals weekly or bi-weekly, um, so they've made their you know rental policy higher. And you put a long-term tenant in there, you're not going to be able to even use that vacation rental for your own uh, for your own use. You're never going to use it. There's a, there's a tenant in there full-time, so that's definitely less flexibility on your end. Um, and you get less control over the property, you right. know, right in. You, you, you aren't able to get in. You aren't able to make upgrades. You aren't able to uh, really facilitate anything because there's a tenant in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had a, uh, had a remodel at one of my houses um, on the books for about a year I wanted to do it. I had, a, I had a bedroom that I thought should have a sliding glass door instead of a small window. Uh, the window was legal size and everything, but... I felt like the setting needed a big sliding glass door out to the backyard from that bedroom. And, you know, I, I, I just simply, when I decided it was time to do it, I said, I'm just going to go and block the calendar off for three weeks. And what I did is I scheduled my team and we came in and we demoed and we rewired and we re- reframed and we put the door in and we fixed the setting outside of the house right on schedule. And literally the day we finished putting the furniture back in and touch up the paint, Somebody checked in at 3 p.m. I got, a I very, got that scheduled. I got out. a very similar story um, that um, my one of my owners is just coming down here for the first time since he bought the place in January. He's actually there right now. We're going to be redoing the flooring. We blocked off the calendar October 18th through the 26th. Flooring's getting redone. He's down there picking out tile right now. If that was a long-term tenant, uh-huh. you know, if it was a vacant, sure, you can do that. But you're not be able to just go. We, we, we literally decided this the last week of September that this is when we were going to do that date. You know, I blocked off the calendar as an open availability at that point, and we're just going to get in and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, as a long-term, as a long-term rental, uh, you gotta, you gotta think about what Ryan said earlier: the lengthy process of finding a tenant. Mm-hmm. You have to go find the tenant. You have to search them out. You got to put the applications. You got to review the applications. Uh, versus, kind of like that short-term rental, people are coming to you to mm-hmm. stay. You just mm-hmm. you put the listing out there, and they're making inquiries to you. You know, of course, not- there's going to be some people listening who are like. I own multiple long-term rentals, and I have a property management company. I don't deal with any of that. That's fine. We're not talking to you. you we yeah. get it. You've got your system. It works for you. Yep. If that works for you, that's wonderful, but they also take a lot of money. Okay. Correct. The management folks take a lot of money. And I know here in Minneapolis, there's some larger property management firms that are taking basically um, your first two months of rental income for their own purposes, for their fees, right off the top. So now we talk about 11 months, right? Now what are you down to? Okay, nine. so now you're now to nine months of revenue. 
and then you take away their fee out of those nine months and then you take away that they're they have built into their contracts automatic fees for service calls. Well, I charge that. I remember I reached out to that one time. I had a guy who wanted me to find, he had a very nice brand new house in a brand new community in Daytona and he wanted to find a tenant. Mm -hmm. Um, And he reached out to me and I didn't know what to really charge because I'd never Mm -hmm. really done that. I asked Ryan, I ended up charging one and a half uh, times the, the rent. Mm-hmm. To, to place him a tenant. And I placed yep. him a really good tenant with like a 200000 a year income um, into that house. But he did have to pay me, uh, you know, I think the rent was like 3100 bucks a month. So I walked away with like some $4,700, $4,600. Yeah, managers um, don't work for free, guys. And, so. uh, you know, that's just, you know, a month and a half off what he's going to make over 12 months if that person leaves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a lengthy process. It did take me, I don't know, three, four weeks to find him that you tenant You guys should deal with the showings, take the calls and... I had open house. Yeah, open house. If you're a self-managed long-term owner, then you already know, and you know that it it takes a lot. It's a lengthy process to find tenants. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we're not going to say what's going to be best for you. Uh, You kind of got to make those decisions for yourself, but we're trying to give you the kind of the ups and downs of both industries there. And, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Ryan and I both prefer short-term rentals, uh, but there are some of you out there that are going to do well with long-term rentals. Mm And uh, so it's just kind of what's best for you. Where's your yeah. location? What's your price points? What do you need to make? Yeah. And it, what's what's a negative item for you might be a positive for somebody else. And what you think is a positive item might be negative for somebody else. Yep. I look at it and I say there's higher income potential and there's a little work involved. Okay, cool. Let's go. You know, let, let's just make this happen. That's, that's an entrepreneurial uh, mindset. And that's how I look at things. So if you share that and you, you don't get a, you know, you're not scared of things like that, then by all means dive right in. Um, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, Vacation Rental Insiders. Follow us there. Um, you'll get notifications about when we put new episodes up. And um, you can. that's a nice way to reach out to us, send us a message, give us some uh, feedback on the show, give us some show ideas if that's the, something you want to hear about. We can, we can go ahead and definitely dive into a topic at your recommendation. In the meantime, uh, subscribe to the podcast and like and all that good stuff as well. Be the best host you can be and go get that money. Go get that money. Thanks for listening to the Vacation Rental Insiders podcast. Please remember to rate us so other smart people just like you can find us. And hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be the best host you can be.